Welcome to another episode of Decoded Podcast by Thredo AI, uh, where we invite support and community leaders and deep dive into their journeys. I'm your host, Pramod, and today I'm thrilled to invite Dave Chapman to the podcast. Uh, a bit about Dave, uh, he's a senior customer advocate at Buffer. Uh, he has been with Buffer for nearly a decade now. Uh, personally, I'm a big fan of Buffer, used Buffer in our previous company, and we use Buffer at Thredo as well. Um, and Dave works at the intersection of tech, social media, marketing, and focuses on work culture, product management, communication, and wellness. Uh, he's also worked at Apple Retail in the past and has been an osteopath in the past as well. So Dave, uh, welcome to the show. Uh, how are you doing today? And we'd love to hear your own journey in a few words and we can get started from there. Thank you, Pramod. Yeah, it's, um, it has been a journey. It certainly has. And uh, as you mentioned, I've worked in retail, I've worked in healthcare. And when I look back over that journey, I think the common theme is working with people, helping people getting to the bottom of what a problem is and solving it. Um, in retail, it's understanding a customer's needs and making sure that you, you know, offer a, a solution for those needs. In healthcare, it's a, a lot more personal, a lot more, I think, intimate in a way, um, but always with that thought for um, diagnosis and understanding the problem and finding the right thing for that person and I think that's really been a kind of a like it's easy to say in retrospect in hindsight but that has been the thread throughout my career and at Buffer I've been able to uh, lean into all of that experience um, which has been very you know, fulfilling and rewarding so far. Amazing um, I'd love to like you know go a few years back and I read the article that I think it was uh, called the 45 day bootcamp and uh, you know where you were the newest wicked warrior um, so tell me about you know the how did you transition uh, into buffer and a bit more about the bootcamp experience and you know how that's influencing you today uh, would love to know that part of the journey yeah sure well the first thing to mention is that we um, we retired that that bootcamp um, process okay. it's not something that we currently do at buffer uh, but when I joined, it was certainly um, the, the process that we used to onboard people. So I was working as a, an osteopath. I had a private clinic and I was using Buffer to market my practice. And that's how I discovered Buffer. And one day I realized they had a we're hiring um, logo, a little sticker on the on the main dashboard. And the job title was Weekend Warrior. And at the moment, I wasn't very busy with my um with my practice and i was looking for maybe another um another way to to earn money another income uh, option so i explored you know the the job title and i think this is a very common thing you'll um you'll hear if you speak to other buffer employees is that the more i learned about the company uh the more that i felt like this is somewhere i need to be uh so i was very lucky to um uh to to apply for the job and be offered a position. And the initial role was, was the weekend warrior. So it was a, a full-time ro uh, role, but covering the weekend shifts because at, at Buffer, we want to be available for our customers all, all week round. So I was covering those, those weekend support hours. Uh, and yes, there was a 45 day boot camp, And what that was really a kind of a probation period where Buffer was working on the assumption that everything was going to go fine and you would, you know, become part of the company. Uh, but there was always that, I guess, um, sense of uh, proving yourself. Uh, and there was that review point at the 45 days with some milestone check-ins along the way. But the 45 days, there was a, yes, you are going forwards. Whereas the, the change that we've made now is that from day one, you're considered in every way, shape or form as a Buffer employee. And then there are these 30-day, uh, 60-day, 90-day check-ins. Uh, which are just reviews, but always, again, with the assumption that you, you are an employee, you have access to all the perks and benefits, um, and uh, there's not that pressure. I think the the pressure to prove yourself was almost uh, an uncomfortable and difficult thing, whereas if you get on with the job and, and do the job from day one without that level of pressure, you can actually perform better and, and you know, prove... Um, behave as you as you naturally and normally would, which is the best way to, to build trust and to, to get to know people and let people get to know you. Yeah, no, I think a great way uh, um, to like onboard. And I feel like, you know, that's a 
you also get to know buffer very well and 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 you know get in uh, versus a sudden like you know onboarding um but curious to know a bit on what initially drew you to the field of customer support or customer advocacy um and how like you know different roles have uh helped you like you know go more deeper into that uh, space yeah. yeah definitely the working with with people and understanding their needs and being able to meet their needs or offer a solution or get point them in the right direction has always been sort of a, mm-hmm. a satisfying thing for me i think i've had um one of my first uh, first jobs was in um in retail in licensed retail so bars and nightclubs and restaurants that's when i was still studying so part-time work and there was something about that that i quite enjoyed especially when it was busy <laughs> um and like there's a rush and there's a pressure uh, and then as i uh, left uh, I left school just without this being um, a very long story uh, my initial um, career aspirations was forest management and forestry and wow. okay. I was very young when I made that decision I would say and when I started working in that field uh, I realized very quickly that wasn't for me there was no people around I was outdoors mm. in all weathers all year round uh, quite sad and quite lonely and I realized quickly that wasn't for me so it was a step back from from that direction um, and then everything else really has been in terms of some sort of support role or hospitality or um, uh, I was working very much in a technical role for uh, an IT security firm and uh, I enjoyed the technical side of that but missed the kind of the people side so I moved more towards people and then I had an experience where I was speaking to somebody who'd had an, uh, they'd had treatment from an osteopath and uh, I had a, a kind of a light bulb moment when I thought this is the perfect combination of the diagnosis, the technical kind of understanding, the clinical understanding of the human body, but also uh, a one-on-one experience where you're treating somebody, you're helping them um, and you're taking them from a situation where they're like really not having a good time for, you know, for the reasons, you know, for the pain, for the discomfort um, and you're getting them to a, a, you know, a better life and a better uh, health outcome. Um, so I went and did a, it was a five-year integrated master's degree. There's a lot of studying and a lot of work and I qualified and I, I did that for um, a year and a half and a long time. So part of that course was uh, a part-time course. So that's when I was working at Apple Retail as well. So uh, that was my balance for some income and, and being a bit more sociable while I was actually you know, heads down and studying for that, that master's degree. And then it was, a, I said, a year and a half into uh, running my own practice when I realized that I had two choices. I either work for a, a bigger practice and make less income because uh, in the UK, the, the standard arrangement is uh, if you're an osteopath working as a, a bigger practice, uh, 50% of your salary would go to, uh, to the owner of the practice. Okay. I didn't feel comfortable with that, but I realized I was struggling to, to get off the ground with my own business as, a, as an osteopath. So it was that. Mm-hmm. Um, that customer service role at Buffer where I thought this will give me an option to to work full time, to, to make that income, um, to, to work for this incredibly, uh, this company that sounds absolutely incredible, almost too good to be true. And I think I'd just been maybe three or four months into that when I, I just started to wind down the osteopathy practice and I realized that Buffer really was, uh, of the zigzag pathway I took, I'd found um, a really great destination. Amazing. And um, the zigzag parts are always like great, I think, to discover, um, you know, the, the true calling, you could say. Yeah. But yeah, you know, amazing to hear the journey. Um, how has your role evolved at Buffer? Uh, I know, you know, in, in startup years, it's a long time you've been there. So um, from since the time you started to now, like, you know, what's changed? How has your role evolved there? Well, it's funny because even within, so I've been in the same company for 10 years, in the same team for 10 years. And of course, things have evolved and changed uh, in the company, in the industry. But within within those 10 years, I've been able to have some zigzag moments as well. So there's been times, I, I think in, in any startup, in a small team, a small company, uh, there are many needs, many opportunities. And if you have the opportunity to, to pick up something a little bit outside of your regular role that supports the, the business need, um, then that's usually an opportunity for personal growth as well as supporting, you know, what, what the need is in the company or fill the gap. Um, so along, along my journey, I've um, supported the people team. 
Um, I've worked with uh, um, the product team and that's a, a more recent development. And I've really had the opportunity to, as well as work directly with our customers in a support perspective, um, in a support role, I've been able to support um, hiring initiatives, um, short-term re- things like being involved in the company retreats. We, uh, we're having a company retreat next year for the first time in a couple of years. Um, and there's lots of other sort of little projects I've, I've had a chance to, uh, to get involved with. And I think my ability to do that comes from my background, which is very broad. Um, I've worked in, in sort of lots of different areas and have lots of experience and, and skills and perspectives. And that's lent itself to me being quite a, um, I've been able to be fluid and flexible in, in what I can offer to, to Buffer, which has been you know, very rewarding. And I think everyone wants to have an impact and wants to be able to support and help. So uh, I've had lots of those opportunities along the way. Amazing. Um, great to see uh, the role evolve and uh, pretty much across like domains. Um, and I want to touch a bit about like Buffer. Uh, I think it's uh, one of those unique uh, companies, not just as a great product, but the philosophy on how um, they take a stance on a few things, right? Like, you know, uh, or the philosophy around building, uh, how organizations should be built. Um, I'm curious to know more on Buffer's approach to customers or customer support or advocacy itself like you know what's what's been the approach like um as with many other things that buffer does um specific to support like what are some philosophy uh you know that's that's ingrained in buffer yeah uh, would love to know that yeah. yeah certainly well this um i think one of the unique things um about buffer historically is that we pushed uh, content marketing um very strongly from the very beginning, pretty much. And we always sought to provide value by doing that. Uh, so one thing about Buffer customers is that they are often working with a, a limited marketing budget. And so quite often a small team or a, a, an entrepreneur or a solo person or somebody starting up their own business, uh, for example. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and, and, and you know, lots of customers are kind of sensitive to you know, how much money they're spending. And Buffer's always been focused on organic uh, social media marketing. And so it's become more and more a thing over the years, but really working and understanding the, the algorithms that, you're, that are potentially against you if you're not spending money with the platforms. How can you be successful? How can you get the, the most out of your efforts, right? So the resources that we've been seeking to provide uh, in our content marketing have been to add value. Like these are the best practices. This is our advice. This is this is things that we've experimented with and found. And we recommend, you know, this, this, and this, and these things change over time. So we've been working and we have a, a very solid uh, content team with a very strong output. Uh, but beyond the, the content, we have um, customers coming to us directly asking questions about these things. Um, so these things yeah. overlap quite a lot. And then if there's a Venn diagram where we have our content, we have our customer support, we have our community. So that's where we can really um, provide a space for our customers to um, chat with each other about their common challenges. And um, as I said, like some people are working alone or working with a small budget or a small team, that can be quite isolating. So to know that there's other people out there that have the same challenges and for Buffer to facilitate bringing people together and and our content team and our marketing team and our support team are in our community space, um, you know, joining the conversation, leading the conversation and supporting people there as well. So in a way, our philosophy is very much uh, customer first. It's very much recognizing what our customers need from us. And it isn't necessarily just our features. It's uh, understanding the ecosystem, understanding the industry, and, and for us to be able to offer insights and value where we can around that so they can just really get the most out of um, out of our products and out of the work they're doing. Got it. Um, I'd love to maybe double click on the customer advocacy as a role itself. Yeah. Like, um, uh, can you tell me a bit more about what does that involve, um, you know, at the intersection of support community and let's say content, like, you know, and, and um, yeah, t- I'm just curious to know as customer advocate, like, you know, w- what aspects of, um, like, how do you bring a customer first culture uh, within Buffer and, and what are your tips for others? Yeah. yeah. So the, the, the two, two or three things that I think are really key when you're having a, a support experience with a customer is to, I mean, the 
before I say anything else, it's important to recognize that the customers that email us directly or um, or reach out to us on social media or, or through our community channel, um, quite often uh, it's because something has gone wrong or they have a um, there's something they don't understand or need, need some help with. Uh, so it's not necessarily let's have a chat about your social media strategy. It's more I'm having this problem with Instagram or I'm having this problem with um, accessing this report um, and they, they need some help with that. Uh, so we, yeah. the first thing to do is recognize that if someone's had to, to reach out to get help, it's, it's, there's been an interruption in their day where they've had to do that. And sometimes that can be, yeah. um, there can be frustration and disappointment mixed up in, in, in that motivation for, for reaching out. Right. So it's always very important to us to recognize the customer and uh, the emotion of the, um, if someone says like, I'm so annoyed, I've had this, um, I've, I've been trying to work on this report and it's not working out for me. Um, the response mm-hmm. To just tell them how to access the report or to fix the thing isn't isn't enough. It really isn't. Uh, all our customers are, are humans. They're trying, you know, they're striving to achieve something. And if they've been having a frustrating or disappointing experience, if you don't acknowledge that, then you're not respecting that person at all. So we try to avoid um, pre-written snippets. We try to make sure we acknowledge the emotion of a customer like we apologize for any just like the you know issues that that they're experiencing um and beyond just recognizing that something's not worked well we do our best to collect the feedback and channel that effectively to our product team so we can highlight you know the biggest friction or pain point or things that customers don't understand or um are not getting the most out of with our product so that's always something that our product team can um can have in mind, you know, the next time they're working in a certain area or building something that touches on that thing that maybe isn't as great as it could be. Like they know because the advocacy team has flagged this up that that's something to to, to put on the radar and put on the um, on the backlog. Um, the it, it really is advocacy. You're really saying um, our customers need this or expect this, and as a as an advocate, as somebody who works at Buffer. Um, you end up feeling quite passionate about certain things and you really push for those things on behalf of the customer to be improved. Uh, that's you know, a very important part of, of our role in support. Yeah. Um, and I think that's a great, uh, um, you know, philosophy to have where, you know, you don't want to stick to like canned responses. So that's a great way to just think that each customer's frustration could be something unique. So like go beyond like, you know, just be human about those interactions. Right. Um, I'm curious to know, like, uh, let's say there are let's hundred users, maybe two or three of them might reach out when they're frustrated. Um, there are going to be users who face a problem, but they may not reach out to support. Yeah. Um, in your experience, uh, how have you sort of uh, proactively uh, provided support, or reached, or have you like you know have you done anything on that those lines, or you know a lot of times people might just try it might not work, but they may be like, okay, let me come back later and try it. Uh-huh, right. So uh, what would you suggest for, um, you know, in terms of taking steps for being more proactive in support or, uh, you know, helping customers proactively? Yeah, that's a, a great shout. The, um, the two things that we, that we're currently doing, we've, as a very small team, um, we've been reluctant to support customers through live chat, um, primarily because, mm-hmm. Uh, I say we're, we're a small t- uh, a small team, and I think unless you can deliver like almost immediate live chat, like our philosophy is that that's not um, that's not a great option. We have our uh, contact options uh, very clearly available throughout our product, so people can reach us through email or um, a contact form, or they can use uh, Twitter or, or Instant Messenger. Um, sorry, Facebook Messenger, and. Our response yeah. times are around two to four hours. So I think it's a really solid response time for, for that traditional yeah. to support. However, we have put, um, and this is a, a new thing that we're, we're still kind of experimenting with, we've put um, a live chat option within the billing area because uh, the most pain customers would often feel with a, with a product is if a, a payment or a billing has, uh, something's gone wrong on that respect. That's a, a material impact on, on the customer. Uh, and often that's the most frustrating mm-hmm. time. So we have uh, started an experiment to to be there in the moment for customers in that situation. And then in terms of um, proactively reaching out to customers who are, are not having a great time, uh, 
Uh, with, with Buffer, the same as with many products, uh, you'll find sometimes customers won't reach out for support, but they would leave a review uh, on maybe your App Store or your Google mm. uh, Google Play Store uh, or in other places. So yeah. we uh, will often try and follow up with customers who've left the review. So if they didn't actually intend to reach out for help, but they have you know expressed their frustration mm. there, we'll try to catch up yeah. with people on that basis. Often they don't respond to those, um, I think, People leave a review uh, on their way out the door, if that makes sense. Um, they're not interested in like, coming back to a, a problem they've already kind of got over. Uh, but we do try. I think it's important to recognize that we acknowledge um, those. Uh, we also have a suggestions board. So people who, again, they haven't come to support to ask for a feature, but they have, um, you know, our suggestions board and our feature board is a place where people will yeah. tell us about something they need. Um, and sometimes if you read between the lines, they're telling you something that you have that isn't isn't working well enough or they haven't, they're asking for a feature you already have. So that feature isn't discoverable enough. So that's another way we can yeah. uh, contact customers. Uh, when people leave a suggestion or a comment on our suggestions board, they have the option to subscribe. So we have a, a way to follow up directly, mm-hmm. which is awesome. There's another one as well. We um, we have an NPS survey within our product, and okay. yep. uh, we will follow up both with um, the zero reviews, the people that are really upset, uh, as well as some mm-hmm. of the people that are absolutely loving our products because there's you know there's value to get from conversation with both of them. So. Amazing. Yeah. So just to recap, I think the the four things is apart from the queries that are coming in. So you have reviews or like what people might say about Buffer on other platforms. So that's one. There's um, also the NPS survey, which sort of acts as a, a proactive way to like, you know, get feedback. Um, and just double clicking on the NPS survey, right? Like, I'm curious to know, like, you know, when Buffer was, when you joined Buffer, let's say a decade or so back versus now, um, do you have like um, a set of customers who you like have live conversations with? And, and you know, uh, you mentioned that you look at both the the detractors and also the promoters and, and you try to engage. Um, when the scale was small versus now, like how, how has that changed? Like, how do you, how were you doing it earlier and how, how, how do you do it right now with the, such a large scale? We've, we've experimented with live chat on and off over the, um, over the years. And it's been something that we want to do because we recognize customers want help in the moment. Yeah. But as I said, if you can't be there in the moment, if you haven't got a team big enough got it. and the resources yeah. to achieve that, then it's better to not try. That's been our, our take on that. Um, I think at the moment we are doubling down on response times and getting closer to being there in the moment. I think we we will look in 2024, we'll look again at live chat as a, a broader option. And that a lot of that depends on um, you know, how things go with this, this billing initiative yeah. that we have at the moment. But generally, as our, as our customer base has grown, our team has grown. So we've mm-hmm. um, yeah. always ma- aimed to maintain a certain response time. Um, and of course, uh, one of the big ways to manage the inbound volume is to to tackle the the reasons that people have to get in touch. I will say that yeah. for a short while, we removed uh, the support option for our free customers. And that was something that we did to make sure that we could focus on the people that are, are paying us because, you know, they had a, maybe a, a higher expectation of support and we wanted to you know, deliver on on the value that um, they, they expect, expected, right? Um, however, I think a lot of our free plan users are the people who are our future potential paying customers, and they often yeah. need the support more. They're the per- people who are just starting out with Buffer. Uh, so we, we changed that. That's really like our biggest um, shift in in the structure of our support or the um, the availability of our support was to to pull back support from free plan users. Um, but then we we did bring that back mm-hmm. and. Uh, it's a really nice feeling when someone says, I, I didn't realize that you'd be there to help. I'm, I'm not even paying you money. Uh, it's something that feels, uh, it leans into a kind of value of of, um, of generosity. And uh, I think it makes good business sense. These, these people are going to, even if they, yeah. they don't become a paying customer, they may tell somebody else uh, about the experience they had. And, and word of mouth has always been a strong part of, of Buffer's success, I think. Yeah. Um, I think it's support-driven and spoken to someone who mentioned this, that actually like providing support to free plan customers, that if you look at the cohort 
um, there is a high chance that they may be converting better, um, right? And uh, like, especially if they've reached out, they've gotten the support and that gives them confidence to become a paying customer. Um, So yeah, I think like, you know, as a philosophy, that's amazing to see. uh, And and, um, curious to know, like, have you, um, when, when you took that decision to remove versus when you brought it back, did you measure impact in any way um and and with a lot of companies follow a similar freemium approach right um and one option is like you deflect support to community um right but but yeah like i'm, I'm curious to know when you brought it back like what were some of the outcomes um even anecdotal like you know would be great to hear i really wish i really wish i had some numbers for you um because it nice, would be yeah. it would be super insightful to to share that picture, right? Unfortunately, I don't. And from my memory of, of, of that period of time, it was more of a, uh, from my perspective, uh, it was more of a, a company philosophy that we wanted to, um, that we didn't feel great about taking support away from, from those customers. And yes, you're right, we did um, deflect to community. And at that point, um, the platform was really, uh, was Twitter. We we were very more sort of more active on mm-hmm. uh, on Twitter in, in conversations, and we had a um, we had a regular Twitter chat that we had every week, and a, a huge Twitter com- uh, community around around those conversations, uh, including support. Mm-hmm. But it was very much a sense of this feels like the right thing to do for for customers who are using our product. Uh, we want them to enjoy it, to, to be able to make the most out of it, and be long term customers and hopefully paying customers or, or spread the word. Yeah, got any memorable interactions with customers that over the years that you've had um, anything that that strikes like that that you can maybe share couple one or two of them that you know stayed with you. Yeah, I think um, when you, it's crazy because we have so so many customers, and yet after um, just a few years or, or even a few months. Uh, you recognize certain certain customers um, uh, by their name or by their interaction. And uh, uh, this is a very personal one, but uh, we had somebody who was very active on Facebook and they were using Facebook to, to um, you know, for, for, uh, to, to promote their, their efforts and, and do their marketing. Um, and this person was um, visually impaired and when we would be giving them some instructions to um, to help with um, to managing their Facebook uh, pages and, and their you know their marketing strategy, we realized you know realized quite early on that you, you can't just write an email to somebody. Uh, the even screen reader technology doesn't necessarily convey the tone or the um, the, the message that you intend. Uh, so we we. As we've grown, we offer um, sort of d- uh, direct live telephone support less and less. We still offer it when we get to a sticking point when we really need to maybe screen share and talk through something with somebody. Uh, but this customer was somebody who um, I think became a friend over the years because we spoke every few months and the conversation would always start with the, the technical issue. We'd, we'd get that fixed up and, and resolve that. And then we'd have a, a quick chat about about life um, this person um based in sydney australia and you know to have this contact and this connection with somebody the other side of the world uh was really special but we do have um lots of customers who've been with us for a long time and you, yeah you do sort of feel like you get to know them every now and then um not so much in the last couple of years but we do try and organize meetups uh and for a SaaS company for a global SaaS company uh, to meet your customers in real life is really special i'm hoping that we can um, do something like that at our next uh, company meetup next year. Um, yeah, I think when you work for a SaaS company, it's a tech company, it's it's fully remote, your customers yeah. are from all over the world. You don't expect to build relationships with your customers in this way, and but it does happen and it's, it's quite magical when it does. And that's amazing to hear and hopefully uh, you bring back the meetups. I think they're a great way uh, to actually, you know, get stories uh, from the customers and know them better yeah. um but and yeah, that, that is a great story to hear um 
you know, curious uh, to know one more uh, thread there. So like, you know, a lot of times you do things that don't scale, like in customer support, I think is always at the intersection of things where, um, like you mentioned, like you're going beyond um, getting to know the person or helping them um, uh, not just resolve the ticket, but like, you know, going the extra mile um, helps you build that bond and connection over a long period of time. Um, for example, in my previous company uh, in the early days, and even like you know, we used to try and write handwritten notes uh, <laughs> to uh, you know users yeah. who faced issues or like you know just something to say, or even if they gave a great suggestion, um, like you know try and do something that brings a smile on their face. So, uh, how how like what are some of the things that you know you 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 felt you've done that can't be scaled, but felt like the right thing to do? <laughs> Yeah, absolutely. We've um, we've done the same. Uh, so we've uh, sent handwritten notes, um, swag, stickers, socks, uh, various little gifts that we've um, come up with over the years. And uh, that's a, an ongoing program. So we have uh, one of our team. Mm-hmm. Um, if we have a conversation, interaction with a customer that felt a bit special, maybe they gave us some really useful feedback uh, or they were very patient working with us through a, a bug or something like that and we wanted to acknowledge that, then um, we tag that conversation and one particular teammate, James, will will coordinate sending them a gift or, or offering them a gift um, that we'll send out in the post. Uh, it's, it doesn't scale, but it's, um, you know, it, you, you don't have to do it that often. It's not necessarily a, a marketing effort. It's very much a personal thing for that customer. Yeah. Um, it feels very human and unreal and it takes you a little bit out of that transactional email when you work in support you're mm-hmm. sending so many so many emails so many messages that uh it is something that you need to work on and prioritize to to focus on each and every customer as an individual so is this effort to to send one person a gift uh it does feel hopefully great for the customer but also for you as a person who's initiated that um, that interaction uh, or initiated the you know the, the request to send a gift uh, you, you suddenly bringing that person into a slightly different context than your your normal work and you're really thinking about how, how can I thank them how can I make them feel special and that's mm-hmm. I think that the, the value of doing that is is as important as the you know the person actually receiving something in the post that makes them smile I think there's a lot of value in it yeah yeah no definitely and um, I'd love to segue into um something that's more numeric, like you know, metrics, uh, which is often talked about in customer support. Um, but you also mentioned that it's more than just like numbers and, you know, obviously the support team is answering a lot of emails. So when you zoom out and look at, okay, here's what customers are um, you know, reaching out to us about, or when you look at just metrics, like talk us through like, you know, what, what would be a way for support leaders to look at Here's the pulse of customers, and this is what's coming in. Like, what's your approach at Buffer to um, look at overall how how support is doing, both from customer standpoint and the team standpoint as well? Yeah, absolutely. So the one of our biggest focuses is on response times. So mm-hmm. the the aim is to, uh, and we organise our, our coverage. Our whole team setup is around around that first and foremost. I would say so. We have uh, a four day work week at Buffer. And in a lot of teams, people work Monday to Thursday, but within support, we have a lot more flexibility. So some people will work Tuesday to Friday, some people work across the weekends, and some people have a, a different structure. It works, that works really well for us because we can provide pretty much 24-7 coverage um, for our um, support channels because we have teammates working from different time zones on different days. So that's the thing that gets us um, you know, in a good spot, a good starting place to, to offer a really good uh, response time people don't want to wait more than a day for a, a, an email about a simple question or and especially not about an urgent one so that is our, our our number one focus and we share the the current stats three times a day with our um with our team this is where we're at the moment mm-hmm. and that gives us the ability to um to prioritize or focus we might move a sync or a meeting um or change you know our, our personal schedule around if we have some other projects we're working on just to bring focus back to the inbox when we need to to make sure that we're meeting those target um times for response times and then in terms of other numbers we do look at uh we just transitioned actually from zendesk to help scout so we've gone from a focus on a, a 
a kind of traditional CSAT score to help scouts happiness rating. It's a very similar thing, but it's a bit more insightful in terms of the metrics. Uh, so we can see um, at a glance, like the score, and that's also a metric there three yeah. times a day. Uh, if we see that drop, then we'll we'll be dipping into to why that is. And you can also very quickly pick up on the customer, uh, the conversations where a customer said uh, this wasn't a good support experience, uh, as well as celebrating the good ones as well, of course. Yeah. And then uh, in terms of uh, the actual measuring what customers are asking us about, uh, we yeah. have Help Scout set up with uh, Swarto tagging based on keywords. Uh, and as well as that, we have a help center contact form and there are topics that people can self-select from there. So we can see if people are having, there's these sort of macro trends over time. Are people having issues with billing? Are people having issues with um, connecting a social channel to their buffer account, mm. which is a, a key action that people will need to do to use our product? Uh, these are the, the things that we're paying closest attention to. So yeah, response times, uh, the happiness score, the, yep. you know, the quality of the support, um, mm -hmm. and then in terms of the the topics and themes uh, through the help center contact form yep. and through Help Scout, uh, we're tagging and tracking those. Got it. And and with AI coming in, um, right, what's your view on the role of AI in customer support, customer experience? Like, how are you approaching it at Buffer? Um, both on the customer facing side and on the agent, like in you know, a support team side as well. Yeah, it's a it's a really fun question, and it's something that has had a lot of potential for a long time to help a support team. And I feel like it's only in the last year or so there's been actual practical applications that um, that we'd we'd want to adopt. And yeah, I think the. If you go back just a few years, I think a big concern for a lot of teams, especially a team like Buffer, would be: Are we going to replace the human connection with a, with a chatbot? Like, and is a chatbot going to deliver an experience that the customer is going to appreciate and value? Because as much as we want to give a customer like you know the warmest, happiest, best experience possible, sometimes they just want the information, right? They just want to yeah. answer the question and move on with their day. And a chatbot maybe is the best way to do that. But for Buffer, we would probably be one of the last companies to um, to adopt a, a chatbot, especially as a replacement for a, a, an agent, especially for a replacement for a, mm -hmm. a support person. But in the, I say in the last um, year or so, it feels that there's um, been a uh, an evolution or a, a, a lot of small tools have become mature. So tools that will help you analyze your CSAT, analyze your NPS. Mm -hmm. Uh, tools that analyze your whole conversations and, and pick out th uh, themes and trends that you wouldn't necessarily find for yourself. And I think the key for any team who's in the situation that we are, where you know that AI can help you and you're not sure exactly where to start, is to is to start small. Um, you know, tackle a, a small problem or, or find a small way that you think AI can help you that doesn't necessarily disrupt your whole team or change the way you work too dramatically. Uh, because I think you it's almost like you're taking on a new team member and they're in a boot camp, like an AI tool that you adopt. You want to just pay close attention to the value that it's offering. And at the moment, Buffer yeah. is using, uh, we've started using just about a month ago, uh, like a, a, a help center or um, co-pilot. And effectively okay. this AI has been trained on our past customer responses and our help center. And it's giving us just a few notes in the uh, in in the support conversation um, that are just yeah. potential references or information that we can use in a in a human conversation. So we can take that and edit it or disregard it. And mm -hmm. and that's our that's our dipping our toes in the water of AI at Buffer at the moment. So far, it's it's really been quite helpful. Sometimes it's completely wrong. yeah. That's uh, why these things get trained, right? <laughs> Yeah, I, I think still very early days uh, for AI and you know its applications, but definitely um, um, seeing like basically amplifying the existing team or helping them in, with make make their lives easier um, is one of the applications that is of interest. I, you know, I think AI completely replacing is something that um, 
maybe the customers want or don't want like you know like you said it's 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 hard to like know that um i feel and um, but definitely the, the existing teams like you know using ai making it easier for them to like respond um is one way to approach it and um we that's that's something that we are also looking at um more from how do we amplify the existing team's capabilities uh and help them is is the philosophy that we take as well yeah. um i'd love to like may, touch upon one more aspect i think like you know which is also in support driven uh, conference like you know was a topic of discussion is around how can support leaders um communicate impact of uh, uh the team effectively um right and and, and support usually is um looked at as a cost center how can it be um how can we go beyond that uh, right like what are some ways um you know that you've learned and like how, what would be your suggestion for support leaders like you know other organizations to look at support beyond just like a cost center essentially yeah absolutely the um i think the the support team does need to be supporting the rest of the company not just the customers and i think this is something that's mm-hmm. that's very powerful you have a support team um support team support leaders these people are naturally helpful and naturally look for the way to make things better or to tackle the problem or diagnose the issue and those skills are the ones they use day in day out with customers but i think s- support leaders and support teams can recognize across the company the opportunities to um to make things better and mm-hmm. lean into those opportunities uh, i think one of the biggest and universal challenges that a support team will have is uh you have a product team who are building the new thing and the new shiny thing and and mm-hmm. developing the product and you have customers experiencing the current product and they have their questions or frustrations or or issues with it and building that relationship between the support team and the product team is where you really can effectively channel insights that help the product team to build a better product or to um to prioritize better on building something new versus build, fixing something that's existing so capturing the the insights and the information and the the context that customers are sharing through their through their interactions either directly or indirectly and effectively channeling that to uh, to the product team um is is a huge value um you can really help your product team to deliver um you know impactful um updates and new features when they have those insights mm-hmm. and that that's kind of, that kind of principle extends uh, across the board you can help the product team with testing uh testing new features uh when you're working with the community uh, if your support team is also part of the community team or uh, has those kind of like those two hats and does both things then um getting insights from customers about potential new features having conversations about the feature requests and uh coordinating um or facilitating beta testing uh to a cohort of your of your community or your customers where you can get those really valuable insights and learnings before something's released 100% to to everyone with a big marketing fanfare uh and i think also with the with the marketing team you can have uh similar you can offer similar value uh you can make sure that um i think it's it's always quite useful for the support team to be involved with the marketing launch because the support team can really get behind the um the conversations you can help celebrate the launch you can make sure that customers who are the who you're working with get that um insight about yeah. the new thing that's coming like they might be asking about something or, or mm. and and it's related to a new feature you're building like they would love to know that uh, and be the first to know that like in a couple of weeks there's going to be this uh fantastic new feature that's going to help them with their work uh, so the support team can help support and that's the key thing support um, internally as well as support customers um and there's lots of value the support team can offer uh, don't don't miss those opportunities because it really helps embed your support team within your company and i i personally am biased but i believe the support team you know are almost foundational to the the structure of a of a business and success of a business uh just an off question on 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 that uh, topic so do you involve um 
you know support from through the support team like uh, users in the roadmap like like you know sort of um you've got a suggestion it's included in the roadmap then we launch it circle back to the same user to say that hey like you know thanks for the suggestion and and, and you helped us actually shape the product right so um does that happen uh curious to know if that's but that's hard to do but it's i think like a great delight journey oh absolutely yeah that's the it's one of the best things um on a, on a really simple note if the support team um can invite customers to join the beta program because they've asked for something that you know you're working on that's fantastic the yeah. um as much as we share that we have beta features available and and you know there's different ways for customers to discover that when they come to you and say I really need this specific thing. And it's like, oh, we're working on that at the moment. Um, you can try it out. Let us know what you think. That's, you know, you often get a really fantastic response from that. But one step before, if the feature is just being thought about or just being um, designed or explored at that moment, and a customer's asking you about this limitation they're facing or this feature they want, that is a great time to say to the product team, hey, I've just been talking to this customer Um they would be a great candidate for for some customer research if you know if you're looking for somebody. So channeling those customers to the product team, uh, it works really well as well. And I think that's another way to make a customer feel really involved because when customers pay for your products and even if they don't, they feel invested. You know, they feel um, I don't want to say entitled, but they feel a sense of ownership of the product. Like they want this, yeah. they want it's deeply entrenched in their workflow and they want some sort of say in, in how it works and how it can be developed. If you, uh, if you have a look at our suggestions board and the mm-hmm. passion that's in there for some, for some features and the demand and the hunger for, for some of these features, if you can, if you can meet some of that passion and, and demand and hunger, then it really is delightful. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> well, sometimes it's just like about time. I've been asking for that for years. Um, but you know, <laughs> it goes both ways <laughs> yeah yeah um always a delightful journey to complete i think uh, from a user standpoint as well uh, to see that happen um and a couple of questions on uh how remote work has an impact on buffer's customer support and um i know we are we have about five minutes um so just like a couple of questions on yeah um the remote work culture and how how it's uh, what are the pros and cons, but how is it like you know impact had an impact on customer supported buffer? Yeah. yeah, remote work is because we've been doing it for so long. <laughs> um, it has uh, it is just the way we are. So it's it's a little bit hard to yeah. say. Um, there's you know there hasn't had to be any adjustments that we've had to make uh, to, to make this work. The, the huge benefits to our support team, but these are also sort of universal benefits to, to Buffer is that we have been able to hire um, you know, the best of the best. Like we can hire from across the whole planet as potential candidates, not from, from one, one neighborhood or one city or one region, right? Um, and that benefits us particularly in support because we can then offer that 24-7 coverage. We have teammates in uh, Australia, Asia, Africa, Europe, um, East Coast, West Coast, mm-hmm. Um, there's very few, uh, if any, gaps in, in our coverage. There's almost always a support person online. Uh, that's that's hugely powerful for for us as a as a remote team to be able to to do that um, yeah. without having to outsource or or anything like that. But the, I think culturally, one of the huge and most powerful things that remote work offers is flexibility for the the individual teammates. So. If you want to travel and work from different locations, yeah. we support that, and that's a, a huge perk. That's a um, for some people that that's an incredibly powerful way to to live, to have a lifestyle, right? Yeah. You know, you prioritize you having your infrastructure and your Wi-Fi and being able to you know work effectively. You, it, there's a lot of planning that goes into coordinating nomadic work, of course. Um, but that sounds like almost like more of the fun things. And when I started at Buffer, I was very excited about the fact that I could go to somewhere beautiful and tropical and have my laptop by the pool and that'd be wonderful. But in real terms, I mean, that that is wonderful. Uh, in real terms, there's been times when I personally have had uh, a family member who's been unwell and I've been able to spend time with them and take my laptop there and be with, uh, be with my parents 
um, and be there for them when they needed me, but without missing any work at all, without, you know, still work a full day, but I'm just like you know, offering them company and support. Um, and yeah. there are teammates with children or who are carers who have maybe a, a health condition or, or some other limitation that would prevent them from actually being able to commute to an office um, or work full time otherwise. And those are incredibly talented and experienced and wonderful teammates. And if we didn't have this remote offering, they wouldn't have been able to to do this work. Uh, if Buffalo was in a, a, an office in, in a certain location, that wouldn't work for them. The flexibility that remote work offers, uh, you know, obviously it's coordinated with the team lead and with the team to make sure that, you know, coverage is where it needs to be and you know people can do the hours they need to do. Uh, but the flexibility that Buffer offers means that we can have these incredibly talented teammates from all over the world uh, working together to, um, you know, to, to deliver a, hopefully a great customer support experience. Yeah, I think it's a combination of be the best version of yourself and do your best work, yeah. uh, right, you know, with the flexibility. So, uh, yeah, and great philosophy. And um, just one last question on how do you um, improve yourself in the space? Like what, what do you, like what are some sources of learning that you follow or communities that you're a part of? Um, any recommendations for other support leaders? Yeah, yeah I think it's absolutely fundamental that you connect with um support people outside of your own team because you very quickly if you haven't done this already you very quickly realize um how many of the the challenges you face and the the logistics that you you might be struggling with um are common and it's fantastic to talk through some of these challenges with somebody who is in a different team and has different perspectives you can learn so much from other people uh, i think that's very common in other areas in product management in design um in engineering programming there are it's very common that there be communities of uh of people working together uh connecting networking um but i don't think it happens so much uh in support and so it's it's definitely recommended i'm incredibly grateful to support driven for um establishing uh, such a an incredible community i've, I've got so much from that uh, just having conversations yeah. with people just having discussions with people and then beyond that, there are, uh, of course, podcasts and workshops and webinars and things. Quite often, um, products, I don't know if this is a support thing, because I think support people are just great people anyway. Uh, but support tools, even if they're not tools that you're actively using, they often have workshops or webinars that you can attend for free or discussions. And there's a lot of valuable insight in those as well. Um, and I think personally, and again, it's more of a universal thing, not necessarily a support thing, but always be reading, always be uh, learning. Uh, there's there's some fundamentals of customer support that that will will probably never change. Um, yeah. But there's you know there's new ways of working, and I think probably AI is one of the biggest shifts. It's something to to keep on top of and see how other people are benefiting from it and uh, learn from other people. If if you're tentative at the moment, then then chat and explore and try things out. But th yeah, you can't you can't get comfortable even in like even in the support world. Yeah, uh, I think uh, tech is evolving at such a rapid pace. So uh, completely agree on that. Thanks so much, Dave. This was super super uh, valuable and, and you know great to learn about the journey and various aspects of support and how it's evolved at Buffer. Um, thanks so much for taking time. Very welcome. Thank you. Very